This is a mental wellness podcast where we have real conversations about self-work and self-healing. Welcome to the Get Real and Heal Club podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa J. Grab a mindful moment with me. Hey friend, hey, we are back finally with another episode of the Get Real and Heal Club podcast. And let me tell you, I am so glad to be back in this space with y'all. I have been down um, the last few weeks with COVID and I did not think I would miss talking with y'all after just a few episodes Um, since we're just getting started with this podcast, but I did. I actually missed these real conversations. So today I am diving back in. And listen, today is going to be special because this conversation is going to feel like a mini masterclass on what I consider um, to be a super important topic in our community. But first, Let's catch up a bit. What has been going on in your world? Let me know. What have you been what have you been doing? How did the first month of 2023 feel for you? Did you do some self-discovery, um, some self-care? Anything you plan on changing for the month? Let me know. I want to hear about it. Drop me a voice message using the link in this episode and let me know how your wellness journey is going so far. And if you have a question or a lesson learned, let me know and it could be featured on a future episode. Now, what's been going on in my world? Well, (laughs) well, COVID finally caught up to us after a weekend trip to DC. And let me tell you, not the way I pictured starting um, started my year off. It just, it was not giving, but it was funny. Cause you know how I've been talking about <clears throat> breaking up with snacks and getting my whole emotional eating together. Well, here comes God being supportive, I guess. And cause he just, he just snatched my taste buds right away. I mean, everything, <laughs> everything tasted like crap for like two weeks. It was crazy. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't give me those details. Y'all didn't give me that. And um, I just know I was not okay. I was not okay. But that unplanned detox definitely gave me the opportunity to shake those um, withdrawals from salty snacks. So your girl is finally off the salt and vinegar chip train. Okay, we need to celebrate this. This is major. <laughs> So now I'm trying to stay on the right track and just let this be like a huge reset for me and (laughs) to keep the good news rolling. Okay. Um, Real quick story time. So right before Thanksgiving, like literally the day before Thanksgiving, we had a big water leak in our kitchen. And as a result, my house has been a hot mess for months now, okay? So while I'm over here trying to like eat food at home, like my kitchen is a mess. 
So, I, I mean, we need to we need to be supporting sis on the fact that I have made, been making some effort over here and the environment wasn't even given, but I've been making some effort. But listen, the good news is my kitchen rebuild is finally scheduled to start this weekend. So I am excited about really being able to do more with um, improving my relationship with food by getting more active in the kitchen, like a full functioning kitchen. Okay. So this is why I say it's so important to develop self-discovery and assessment practices in your wellness journey, because there are so many factors that impact your ability to manage and thrive in your daily life. If you aren't slowing down and paying attention, you won't realize that the reason you don't cook is because no one helps with the dishes or cleanup. So for you, it's just, it's more work. Or the reason you never plan me time or a girls and guys night is because it takes too much effort to find a sitter, make arrangements, alter your schedule. In other words, those few hours don't feel worth all that it takes for you to actually do it. The why behind what our lives look like right now is important. It lets you know where to start when you're ready to make a change, and it will likely bring a certain level of healing to you when you finally face that why. For me, my relationship in the kitchen, it came from childhood and being given a lot of responsibility at a young age. I honestly, I just, I resented the kitchen because for me, I equated it to labor, plain and simple. And I grew into adulthood thinking, you can miss me with all that extra stuff. It's bad enough I got to go out here and earn a check. <laughs> but if you think I'm coming home and doing all this, this, this domestic stuff, nah, like, mm-mm. <laughs> but what do you think the cost of that mindset was all of these years? The cost of coins, because DoorDash was getting all of them. The cost of my health, because I was eating crap and my body just didn't feel good. Those costs add up, right? So this year, when I'm talking about changing my relationship with the kitchen, it's with these costs in mind and how I can implement some strategies practically to keep me in check. That means setting a budget on eating out or a set number of times I can eat out a week. It also means finding ways to get around the mental roadblocks that the kitchen is just another place of labor. I have to change the connotation or the <clears throat> just the way that I connect with the kitchen. So I'm exploring how I can create an environment of peace, good vibes, and opportunities for me and the husband to connect. Um, I want the kitchen to reflect creativity and positive memories. And being able to start with my kitchen aesthetic is going to be a fun way to set the tone. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. So what change are you struggling to make? And more importantly, why? Look for the answers in your everyday life. It's there waiting for you to see it. All right, now for the conversation of the hour. It's Black History Month, y'all. A time for us to reflect and honor our history and to honestly just be real Black. Like, I love it. 
And look, there are going to be so many conversations had this month about our history and our community, but you know your girl gots to come talk about it from a mental wellness perspective. And <clears throat> since it's Valentine's Day, there's no better time than to talk about using this month as an opportunity to self-love. Listen, we live in a world that so often doesn't love us. And if we don't show up for ourselves in more vulnerable ways, we will start to believe the narrative that we aren't worth the love we are asking for. So today's conversation is a reminder, and if needed, your permission to love on yourself extra heavy this month. Heavy on the self-care, heavy on the self-love. Because honestly, we need it. Every year, I try to think of a new way to honor our ancestors during Black History Month. Of course, we know this is a time to acknowledge the accomplishments and innovations of our community, but I always want to think beyond that focus and consider what would my ancestors want to see me doing in their name. And I'll tell you why I feel that way. I've always noticed and at times wondered why the focus of this month or any month um, or any time where we're talking about Black history, Black culture, just honoring our community, why the focus of this month in particular is so singular. These un unsung heroes, um, contributors to global and American history, even those lives that were lost unjustly, the messaging that we constantly hear is all focused on our community's labor and loss, as if that's the sum of us as a community. I don't know. It just it doesn't sit well with me. And I know that the primary focus of this uh, that's the primary focus of this month. So I get it. But <clears throat> I am also mindful that there is a part of me that sees that we continue to be discussed and praised in terms of our value as labor. We are always the contributors, the activists, the creators the heroes untold. We bring the solutions, the power, the strength. Our resilience is martyred and found to be commendable because we resist and persist in spite of our many setbacks. And it paints this picture that our identities are tied to the value of labor. And even when our pain is acknowledged, it's never seen as layered and complex and worthy of healing. It's this narrative that the best thing about us is what we have to offer, like our work and our strength, our ability to endure and move on. I don't know. It bothers me. And to be honest, we're not moving on, y'all. We're not. We are, we are living in survival mode, determined to make the best of where we are. And we are continuing to ignore the generations of unhealed trauma on our shoulders. 
When I started speaking about community trauma, I did a lot of research on the history of Black mental health in our community. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, <laughs> it blew me, but at the same time, it kind of didn't. That the Black community has never been offered real mental health resources. Like not once. Not after emancipation, not after Jim Crow, um, not after the assassinations of our leaders and the destruction of our communities, not even today when videos of Black deaths are on screens big and small as if it's the new trend thing. It, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm going to digress right there. Um it wasn't until Dr. Inez Beverly Prosser and other African-American clinicians entered the field that serious research and treatment for Black patients and even discussions about the effects of racism, discrimination, segregation were even included in the conversation. Post-slavery, up until like 90 years ago, mental health was just another means of criminalizing and restricting the lives of Black people. I mean, <laughs> look at these statistics. <clears throat> black patients are less likely to be treated with beneficial meds. They're more likely to be hospitalized involuntarily. They're more likely to be referred to the criminal justice system than to mental health treatment. They're more likely to be diagnosed with serious mental illness like schizophrenia than mood disorders or mood-related disorders, even though studies show that we are actually more likely to have mood-related disorders than other serious mental illnesses. I mean, <clears throat> our history and our experiences have taught our community that to seek mental health help is to be perceived as angry or violent, and that stigma and what it could cost us, it feels like too much of a risk. So when we think about like why we are still where we are in terms of our mental health, in terms of how we are handling what life gives us, and especially within the systems and structures that continue to impact us in negative ways, like how are we ever supposed to like heal. And let me tell you the part that blew my mind the most. <clears throat> when researchers, when I was doing my research, um, it was a podcast. I'm going to have to try to see if I can find it. Um, but they were talking, they were interviewing some researchers that uh, were actually going into like the earliest mental health facilities. Um, and there's actually one here in Virginia. Uh, but when these researchers reviewed the clinical notes of these mental health facilities, the prescription for the mental health needs of our ancestors was work, <laughs> labor. Yep, that's that's what they came up with, and I I just I couldn't get over it, and I think it's because I'm in the mental health field. So being in this field. I know what we're taught. I know um, that we're taught how to recognize signs and symptoms, how to look at um, a person's entire life and not just the situation that brought them in. Um, 
we're taught to look at the impact of trauma. And yet none of this was applied to the mental health impact that our community has logically experienced over 400 years. When you just look at it from a logical standpoint, these are the things that happen to us. These things are trauma. This is what research shows that trauma does to a person, a family, a community. Like it just, it doesn't make sense that like the connection just, it's, it's just not made. Unless the powers that be don't see our healing and our health as worthy work. Yeah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna let that sit there for a second. <laughs> yeah. And so what this tells me is that <clears throat> we have to do a better job at being an active part in our own healing. Because no one's coming to save us. We have to do a better job at learning the language and finding the tools to help us face our own truths and traumas and give voice to the pain that we have and continue to endure. Because surviving this life is not enough. I want us to live and breathe and learn and grow and heal and connect and thrive. Give yourself, this is what I want you to do, right here, right now. Give yourself permission here in this moment to step outside of survival mode. I know you've been doing it for centuries, generation after generation, how to make ends meet, how to show strength, what it means to be loyal, how to assimilate, how to be more acceptable, how to put your head down and get by. Yes, I know you've been doing it for so long, but you can stop now. Tell yourself those tools are no longer needed. Give yourself permission to feel. Give yourself permission to dream and rest and love on yourself. Give yourself permission to heal and set aside anything that is a generational or environmental response to trauma. Our community and culture are so much more than what we can provide to others. Our worth and value stand alone. And the world may not always acknowledge that, but in this space, we do. In this space, we ascribe to a life where our mental wellness, our own rest and healing is sacred and worthy work. You know, <clears throat> I like to think that this is what our ancestors dreamed of. They dreamed of a time where they could rest. They could nap. They could dance freely. They could choose their obligations. They could say no, and that be the end of the conversation. 
They could choose to focus on self with no consequences. I know that's, I, I just believe that's what they dreamed about. They dreamed of a life of leisure where their work ethic wasn't on display and their endurance wasn't seen as a badge of honor. We get to honor the dreams they didn't get to see fulfilled. We get to <clears throat> explore the choices that didn't exist for them. We get to decide what's important now. We get to decide what gets our energy. Even with all of life's obligations and struggles, we get to explore and experience in ways they never thought to imagine. So I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge our community um, that in your Black History Month celebrations this, this, this time of year, to make space for self-love and self-care. Don't spend all month trying to educate people on your history. That's, that's a them problem, okay? That sounds like a goal for them. But for you, make this, make this an, a personal experience for you. Make plans to honor your community uh, by embracing a deeper and more intentional level of self-love. Level up on your self-care. Prioritize it. Soak in the experiences that our ancestors would have loved to try for themselves. Let's remind the world through our actions that our history and our culture are more than labor, more than our pain. We are unapologetic in our magic. And now let's be intentional about who gets to experience it. Turn that love inward and love on yourself a little bit more. So how can you self-love in a way that's impactful and can further your healing journey? Let's talk about that. <clears throat> I'm about to drop some gems on you. So if, you, if you're a note taker, like this is where you grab your reflection journal because we're about to get into it. Okay. So. Um, the first way that you can self-love is by dealing with your stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to start there, boo. Too many of us are walking around with baggage that we need to process and let go of. All that generational pain and trauma we were talking about earlier, we have to address it at a personal and community level. Because there are so many messages that we have learned from our elders um, that, again, were rooted in survival. It was rooted in, like, how do we make the best of what we have? And it impacts how we see ourselves, how <clears throat> we deal with conflict, how we communicate, how we love. Not everything that we carry with us or that was passed down to us is based in positivity. Some of that was birthed out of pain and disappointment, grief and anger, lack of control or peace. So doing the work to explore the stuff we've been dealt with personally <clears throat> or as a family or community is necessary if you want to be able to release expired weight on your heart. Let me say that again for the people in the back. That weight 
that burden you've been carrying, it's expired. Go on and let it go and heal your heart. Now, <clears throat> the second way that you can self-love is a personal favorite. This is something that I have started to really embrace probably within the last three, four months. And it's something that I, I literally remind myself like on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis. The lesson is, or the, the way that you can self-love, it is to be a filter, not a cup. To be a filter, not a cup. We talk often about keeping our cups full or not pulling, pouring from an empty cup. But what if I told you that your cup actually has a filter setting? One that you are underutilizing and it's impacting your ability to have a healthy cup full of wellness and health available to you. This filter is meant to help you process the things you've experienced or you deal with both internally and externally. So that goes, that goes for the things that you consider stressful and the stress that other people bring you. I'm going to pause right here. Some of y'all are holding on to things that weren't even yours to begin with. Some of y'all are holding on to other people's stress, other people's traumas and problems like it's yours. And then when your own stuff happens, your capacity is limited and you're wondering why you feel so overwhelmed because you are full of stuff that you are supposed to process, not carry. Yeah, I know. I got a little deep. I'm going to sit here for a second. Just let us <clears throat> let us reflect on that. You 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 struggling and you're overwhelmed because you are full of stuff you were supposed to process and not carry. Being a filter and not a cup is about boundaries, internal and external boundaries that keep you from overextending your emotional capacity. It's you coming into agreement with yourself that you will allow what you experience to serve its purpose. When we experience stressors, good or bad, these significant events, these things that we experience on a daily basis or just, you know, everyday life, these things have a natural purpose. We receive the information, we examine it, we feel emotions and thoughts about it, and then we draw conclusions. Too often, we try to skip over the examining part of the process. We fear or avoid sitting with our thoughts and emotions. But avoidance means you are holding on to things that were only meant to serve a temporary purpose. I'm gonna say that again. Avoidance means you are holding on to things that you were that were only meant to serve a temporary purpose. The purpose for you may be clarity on your relationships, um, a sense of priority, 
or an acknowledgement of how you feel and how you should move next. But there is a purpose attached to processing what we experience. We learn the lesson in the moment and then we let the rest go and flow through us. And that is where we struggle. Don't keep wasting your capacity, holding on to things that you are only meant to serve space to temporarily. Your cup will remain full when you learn to properly filter. And you know what else? When you learn how to filter and keep your cup full, you have more energy to devote to you and your own growth. And for me, honestly, that is, it's such a beautiful way to love on yourself. So I really need y'all to like, if all the rest of these, these gems that I'm giving y'all on self-love, if you don't do anything else, grasp on to number two. Being a filter and not a cup is going to change the way you honor your boundaries. And I'm telling you, we need that. We need that. All right. <clears throat> Moving on. Um, this next uh, way that you can self-love is an impactful one um, because I think we say it often, but I don't know that we've actually been intentional about utilizing these spaces. Um, let me just go ahead and say it. The third way that you can self-love in an impactful way is to find safe spaces. I can't say this enough, and this month is a beautiful reminder of what we can accomplish both personally and as a community, but we, we really, we need our own spaces. The effort that it takes to navigate being Black in America is exhausting, plain and simple. We know this. The extra mental energy that we put forth daily to be acceptable, less intimidating, and more palatable in white spaces is an added layer to our social dynamics um, with significant impacts on our mental health and emotional capacity. Simply put, we spend too much time catering to the emotional needs of others to continue to put our own needs last. Finding spaces built and meant for you means you are able to exhale fully, be seen as the whole of you, where performance isn't needed and your experience is just, it's understood. And being able to have that community with open dialogue and vulnerability is a great opportunity to see yourself more clearly and love your identity more intentionally. This last self-love tip I'm sharing today is a big one that I love talking about. It's to affirm your story affirm your story. No matter what the world likes to paint, our community is not a monolith. Each of our stories matter. Who we are as individuals is important. The life you've lived is important. And the feelings and belief systems that came from your lives lived is important too. 
Practicing self-discovery and speaking your truth, whether it's in a journal, to your therapist, or in your community is valuable work in self-love because you're affirming your worth and the value of all who came before you, who paved the way for you to be the part of their line that walks in healing, that changes the emotional trajectory of the family line. That's who you are. That's what you're doing when you live authentically and you surround yourself with love and light. You are choosing, um, you are choosing to live your ancestors' wildest dream. When you choose to live life out of survival mode and you choose your health, happiness, and healing. And I know life is is still crazy, and you may still find it hard learning to love yourself. But let me tell you, these gems I shared today will get you started in ways that will actually help you grow. Actually help you grow. And that's what this is all about. You know, that's what this community is here for. So I know that I threw a lot at y'all today. I hope it inspires you to turn your eyes and love inward this month and honor your ancestors by investing in your mental health in ways that really matter. So I will be back next week with some more mindful moments. I have so much more to talk to y'all about because like I said, I missed y'all. And when 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 I am in my self-reflection uh, wellness bag, like so much insights come to me that I can't even keep up. So next week we'll definitely have um, some some good mindful moments for you to reflect on. But first, let's close this week's um, episode out with lesson I'm learning. I'm learning to be unapologetic in my boundaries. I used to, up until very recently, I would suppress my feelings in an attempt to avoid conflict because in the past, I didn't always have control over my anger or the way that I expressed myself. But not acknowledging my feelings just increased my anxiety and my brain would create full scenarios off of these unspoken thoughts and these unspoken dynamics. Now, I see the value in setting a boundary early and being firm in doing so because assertiveness and aggression are two different things. One is emotionally charged and one is rooted in self-care. Setting and communicating my boundaries is self-care for me. So there's no need to apologize for doing what's best for me. That, that is the lesson that I'm learning right now. To just embrace the beauty of boundaries and embrace that it is actually another form of self-love and the best way that I can engage in self-care. So I hope this podcast spoke to you today. If you like our content, please make sure to subscribe and send us a message on what topics you want to hear more about. Till next time, remember to see yourself worthy of the work of wellness and know I see you too.